Hey, you're listening to the Do Work Podcast with uh, Stephen Lowen and Cody Brown. Today, this is our first episode. It's 9-11. We're a couple of firefighters who are doing this podcast just as a way to bring the station talk home to you. Yeah, we want to bring this podcast to everyone. That way you get the firehouse talk outside of the firehouse. You know, everybody who's probably going to be listening to this podcast is going to be firefighters. Um, We want the Do Work podcast to be uh, an educational piece, but also um, just firefighters talking about what firefighters talk about. Firehouse talk. It's not fucking family friendly. That's right. So if I'm politically incorrect topics and words and shitball cunt fuck offends you this is probably not it like uh we're actual firemen talking about actual fireman shit yeah so stay tuned let us know what you think all right steven episode one yeah Uh, yeah what what a day to start it on, uh, September 11th, 2018. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a pretty historic day, and we're starting a kind of conversational, funny podcast on this day. But you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way, oh, actually. Yeah. I mean, it, what, a, what a great episode to be at. We'll be able to throw in some... Some stuff about the boys from 9-11. I mean, FDNY and all the men they lost. That's that's insane. Yeah. Uh, but that's the fire service, man. Uh, yeah, speaking of which, I mean, tell us about yourself. Who are you? Who, who are you? Who's Cody Brown? And why right. is he on this podcast? Well, a little bit about myself. Uh, I was in the third grade when 9-11 happened. I'm 26 years old. Uh, I've been in the fire service for five years now. I'm in the rank of equipment operator. Before I joined the fire service, I was in the Army. I served three years in active duty. Uh, I was an 11 Bravo infantryman, uh, 240 machine gunner. 240 is a automatic belt-fed crew-served weapon. Uh, I did that for... A little bit while I was in the army and went to deployed to Afghanistan in 2011. Stepped on an IED, um, got sent home. You legit stepped on an IED. Uh, legit, uh, blew me 12 feet from the blast site. Uh, jacked me up pretty good. And what was going through your head whenever that happened? Oh like, man. Well, no. First, set the oh. scene. What were you doing before? Like right the moment before you stepped on it. What, what were you thinking? I'm telling you. The moment before I stepped on it, we were we were patrolling on the western side of Nalgam Village, and Nalgam Nalgam was the name of the village. I don't know if that's a real name or not, but that's what our company commander called it. So we went with Nalgam. We were on the the west side of Nalgam. Uh, we set up an ambush position that first that day, and then went to a key leader engagement. From there, we patrolled back. We are going back to the cop, and all I could think about was, hey, man, finally, we're going to get some hot chow. Hell like yeah. the first time in forever. And uh, these the little bastards, they, uh, they, their irrigation system for their poppy fields, they dig these 
giant ditches and they open up the their they move like a big ass rock and flood their poppy fields from the Argandop River. And uh, they were digging them freaking IEDs and putting them in the mud whenever it was real soft. And they'd dig them out and put the damn IED in it. So we were just jumping over the some bitches. Because you then, knew that there might be IEDs oh yeah, in there. There's a possibility. So this time they decided to put it where we jumped on. <laughs> and I jumped right on top of that sucker. <laughs> and it blew me like 12 feet from there. And all I can remember is when I landed, there's a big ass, it was like slow motion, man. It's crazy. Like this big ass rock just come up next to my face. And I was like, that's probably not supposed to be there. <laughs> and then black, like complete darkness. Uh, I wake up in uh, Kandahar. I was knocked out for like six hours, man. Had a needle in my head and my foot was all jacked up and I had shrapnel in my knee. And that's all I, the first thing I did though, like no shit. The first thing I did was you got to check for the fucking stick and berries, man. That's all I care about. I was like, oh, yep, that's good. (laughs) Everything's good down there. The rest is optional. You didn't I'll, even I'll try to it. curl your toes or see I'll if you can walk. I'll take it or leave it. Yeah. Like, uh, wow. As long as I got the cock and balls, man. Uh, but they didn't even tell my wife, man. Like, uh, I got the computer. Like, I, somebody brought me a laptop. They're like, uh, this is all we got, you know. So, okay, cool. So, I get the laptop and I get on Facebook and I tell the wife. I'm like, hey, I'm okay. Like, don't worry about it. Uh-huh. And she's like, what are you talking about? It's like, oh, yeah, I got blown up. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. A fun time. So, uh, yeah, I did that. I was in the Army for three years. I went to I went to Launchstool, had my second surgery, and then I went to Fort Andrews Air Force Base and had my third surgery. and Stayed in for another year, uh, and then I left. I got out and tried finding something that I could – that was kind of military. And uh, while, while I was in New York – uh, I was thinking about what I was going to do after I got out. So I went and got my EMT from New York state and didn't take the national register test, which I should have, but I uh, didn't take it. Come back to Texas. Uh, started working at a machine shop at that machine shop. Uh, two firemen worked there uh, on their days off and was telling me about the test and how I should do it. And the first time I didn't do it, I was like, I don't know, honestly, cause I thought they were volunteers. Yeah. So I was like, uh, I don't know if I want to volunteer. Did you know anything about the fire service? No idea. Nothing. Besides, uh, I worked at a little EMS service called Evans Mills. It's a little town outside of Fort Drum, New York, where I was stationed. And uh, I ran on the box for a little bit there. Uh, they told me uh, the second time I was talking to them in more in depth about it. And they're like, no, man, we're, we're professionals. Like, uh, you, like you get paid for this. I was like, <laughs> okay, I, I can, I can do that. So I went and did the written test. I scored second on the written test. I went and did the physical agility and uh, I was first on the physical agility. Uh, I was in, I, I was in freaking awesome shape, you know? Yeah. Like I was right out of the military. So uh-huh. fucking smoked that thing. <clears throat> now my fat ass would like die, but then, but you're really good at coaching the people who show that's up right. to take like, the I, tests. I, I get all military on their asses too, man. And it's ridiculous how they can't. Some, some dudes just can't make it. What was that last test like? There was like 13 kids? None. Zero zilch 
passed. Zero. I was there. That I saw it. Was absolute. Everybody gave up. What is happening in our country? And man? they were fucking young too. They were young and seemingly fit. And we had some. We had <coughs> like, uh, we, one from the Houston area. Yeah. One from the DFW yeah. area. Raise your hand if you've taken the CPAT. Every fucking one of them raised their hand. Yeah, they've all. They're like, oh yeah, we passed it. It was great. All right, you should be just fine. Not a fucking one. No. Nope. nope. I lost it, man. Like you. And our, our physical agility test isn't too complicated. I mean... It's based on the combat, combat firefighter. Yeah. yeah, there you go. So, you're in bunker gear in an air pack. You've got to climb two flights of stairs. You can wear tennis shoes, though. You can wear tennis shoes. Yeah, you're not even fucking bunker boots. You can wear your tennis shoes. You climb two flights of stairs carrying a high-rise pack. Three flights. Is it? Yeah, we okay. go all the way to the top. Three flights of stairs. Carrying a, air, carrying a high-rise pack, drop the high-rise pack once you're up at the top, end over end, a two and a half. We don't drop one, it off the flight landing. Uh, no, we don't it, try to kill anybody at the, the bottom. Come <laughs> We're not animals. Yeah, we're not filthy heathens. <laughs> end over end with a rope. Uh, the rope's tied to a two and a half joint. So end, hand over hand, pull that up, set it down on the platform, go back down the stairs. At the at the end of that, you go over to the skid, Kaiser sled. The, the Kaiser sled. My bad. You go to the Kaiser sled, and you you have to beat this thing with a rubber sledgehammer, like two feet, like it's nothing. Yeah. So a couple of good swings, bam, bam, bam. You're done with that. You go over to uh, inch and three quarter uh, yeah. charge or inch and three quarter line, a hundred feet of inch and three quarter. You have to advance it. 100 feet, you take a knee, you open nozzle, shut the nozzle, set it down. Yeah. It's insane. Pretty crazy. simple, right? Last thing you got to do is you got to carry Rescue Randy. Who's like 180 pound he's like dummy. 180. He's been losing weight though. He's uh, He leaves been, a little bit of himself. He's been flaking off his, his rubbery skin. Everywhere he goes. For like three years like now. It's he's beyond the control of danger shampoo at this yeah. point. Well, he's he gained weight, so our next guy's. Are gonna have a little harder time because. How did he gain weight? Well, we we did that uh, trench rescue training, and we dropped him down in the trench and covered him with sand, oh, so yeah. he's full of dirt. Yeah. So he it, it'll be awesome for him. But uh, at this time, he was he was probably a buck ten, maybe like the lightest he's ever been. Yeah, he's he's doing good, man. I need to get on his diet where you just <laughs> just flake your you just skin don't off. fucking eat. Yeah, <laughs> just lay there all day and don't eat. <laughs> anyway. Every freaking one of them, man, would get under rescue Randy, start pulling him, and quit. They're just, nope. They're, they got like two minutes left. Yeah. You could do anything to drag a guy for two minutes, and they just quit. They do it all under five minutes. You got five minutes to do this whole test. And they All gave that up. in five minutes. Most of them, I would say almost all except one, gave up before time ran out. Yeah. It is insane. Yeah, we were all pretty disappointed by that. And it kind of shows, I guess, the difference between doing a test like that where there's a bunch of firefighter-related tasks. or just, And then there's a CPAT, which is, I guess, firefighter-related, but you're not rushing. There's, like, rest periods in between each one. I've never taken a CPAT, but it just it doesn't seem like it's as taxing on the body as, say, the combat challenge. I don't think it is, man. I mean, and I'm only going off of... That we had 10 to 12 guys take this test, and they all said they passed the CPAP. 
and they can't pass our physical agility. Yeah. So, and for a little information about our department to all those firefighters out there, ten is a pretty decent number for our testing. Oh yeah, we're a small we're a small department. We're uh, we're a small municipality. I mean, we got two stations with twenty eight personnel, including administration. Um, right now, though, man, we are we are short. We are short handed. We're we hurting. Are, We've got some people that quit. Yeah, we got uh, we got one guy we ran off. Uh, he actually he resigned, but that was my rookie. Um, I really thought Cody's shift was going to like whip him into shape. And there's some things you can't. Okay, so let's go back to <laughs> let's go back to that physical agility for the new guys. Yeah, I have him with me. I have my rookie with me. This guy, we're leaving, leaving the drill tower. And I, he's riding with me in my personal pickup, and I told him, I said, hey, go back there and shut that gate and lock it. Mind you, we have a eight-foot barbed wire chain link fence wrapped around our drill tower. So it's I, to keep the riffraff out. Yeah, I tell him, okay, it's it's a sliding gate. You, you slide the gate, you put the chain, you lock it, you come back to the truck. This guy shuts the gate. Locks it, realizes he's inside the fucking gate. (laughs) He's inside of it. Realizes something's wrong. Like, maybe I shouldn't fucking be here. I don't see it. Okay. So I I backed my truck up. I did see it. I'm I'm not facing the fucking gate, so I don't see him do this. He's Okay. He locks himself in the fucking gate, realizes he's dumb fuck, jumps the gate, Comes back and gets in my truck, and he's got this shit-eating grin on his face. Meanwhile, me and uh, one of the assistant chiefs saw the whole thing. I he look locked at him. it up on the wrong side, and he starts climbing over this. Oh, man. I look at him, and I say, fuck's wrong with your face? And he's like, he didn't say shit. Like, he's like, he thought he got away with it. So I pull my pickup up next to the chief's ride, and Steven and the chief's in there, and I'm like... Hey, Chief, what the hell for all these young guys, man? Like, nobody. He's like, no, 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 wait. Wait a second. (laughs) You know what he did? I was like, no. He locked himself in the fucking gate. I was like, that's why that motherfucker. I was like, you stupid bastard. Like, what the hell? How do you do that? How how long do you have to live to realize to be on which side of the gate to it's beyond me. I don't. That's what I dealt with. I dealt with that every day, and it was everything like that. That was one story. That's only one out of thousands I can tell you about this guy. But anyway, he decided that uh, fire service was not for him. Uh, he just couldn't. He just couldn't grasp it. I mean, he was pretty decent with a nozzle in his hand. He he could fight some fire. Okay, and he was in good shape. You give. Oh yeah, he was a good. I mean, he 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 did good. I mean, he was in good shape. But. Uh, yeah, you give him a task, and unless you're there to watch him every single step of the task, uh, he's gonna mess it up. Like something, something easy, like uh, starting a chainsaw. That one, that one was uh, difficult for him. I thought it was turning it off. Yeah, turning it off. That that whole thing. Like you started, you got to turn it off when you're done. Yeah, he couldn't. He couldn't figure that out. And, and he'd already been, been on a, a shift before mm-hmm. your shift when that happened. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we we run into some of that stuff. I don't know. Everybody's got those kind of guys. Uh, it's it is what it is. It's that's the fire service, man. You're gonna have some dudes that aren't cut out to be firemen, and then you got guys like uh, another guy that left. Uh, 
he just couldn't wrap his mind around the ENT part of it. I mean, he had to get his EMT certification, and he just couldn't. He wasn't mentally tough enough when he failed at something to continue trying. He failed a test. He could have continued trying, but he gave up. There's a lot of give up in new firemen right now, man. Whether it's physical or mental, they just give up. Like, I know the National Registry test is a bitch. Like, it is. Mm-hmm. I, it I failed it. I failed it my first time. I thought I was going to fail it my first time. Yeah. I didn't. I, uh, but... I, I took it, and uh, when I was studying, I was like, oh, fuck that OB stuff. I know all about the pussy. <laughs> wrong. You were very wrong. Very wrong. Uh, I, I freaking bombed that section of the National Registry, but, I, I mean, I passed everything else. So I studied uh, OB up a lot. And then uh, went and took it the second time, passed with flying colors, man. Yeah, the thing about all these young firefighters coming in, not passing it and giving up, they just need to look around and see everybody else in the fire station and be like, they all passed it. I can yeah. pass it. Oh, yeah. Just go talk to somebody. You know how many times I was approached for help? Zero. Zero. Yeah. 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 See, with my rookie, I mean, we would tell him, we'd be like, hey, you need help studying? Uh, like, how's your EMT going? Oh, it's going good. I'm, I'm keeping up a track. Cool. Uh, you're supposed to be on this chapter. What chapter are you on? Oh, I'm a, I'm like two chapters behind where I'm supposed to be, but I had some hard chapters. I read them. I took the test. All that cool. Awesome. I don't know how much you have to babysit a guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I shouldn't have to hold his hands. He's a, he's a grown man. Like, I shouldn't have to hold your hand through this fucking process. Like, you take the test or you read the chapter, you take the test, you pass it, you move on. Yeah, and you take them at their word too. Yes, you ask them. I, like if I ask you, hey, what chapter are you on? You tell me, oh, I'm on chapter 15. You better be on fucking chapter 15. But with this guy, you'd be like, hey, what chapter are you on? Oh, I'm on 15. He was like on 10. Yeah, uh, I know. I know. You should probably fucking make sure and pull up everything. But at the, I mean, at the same time, I'm not. I'm not gonna say. That it wasn't my responsibility to look at it. I mean, I should have been, I don't know, maybe look at it better. But I mean, you anyways, could... you help yourself. You're a fucking grown man. If you want to be in the fire service, you'll be in the fire service. If not, then fucking pie out. Yeah. To all the rookies out there and probies listening, I mean, if you got a question about something, you don't know how it works. You don't know what you're doing with it. You don't know what it's for or why we have it on the truck. You ask. And same thing goes with... You know, anything related to EMS, if you're required to get those certifications, which I'm pretty sure most everybody is, you go talk to your guys who've done it and you figure out how they did it and then you do it. It's it's that simple. And and at the very beginning of your career is the best time to look like an idiot and ask these questions because you you skate along. And pretend like you know everything for the sake of your pride, oh, you I guess. Oh, you fucked up. At some point, All either on an emergency scene, which hopefully that doesn't happen, but it might. You know, that's where your weaknesses will be found out. Oh, yeah. And there's there's nothing wrong with not knowing what you don't know. Nope. Like, Every day I, come, we're I learning. come from the military, so I had that I had that military background where I mean I didn't do any I didn't do any firefighting type shit in the military. When I come over to the fire service, it was new to me. Yeah, I had a little bit of experience under my belt, like life experience and doing all that, but I wasn't gonna pretend like I fucking knew what I didn't know. Like Yeah, that's I'm, the thing. You don't do that. You you ask the questions, you figure it out. I mean 
get help from your senior guys, and your senior guys ought to be helping you too. I've um, been here over two years, and I still will ask a question whenever I come across something. And I know that the boys will give me a hard time oh, yeah. after I ask it. They'll tear into me, you know, but, but I got to ask because I got to know. Yeah, I don't want to find gotta, out on an emergency scene. You got to take the ball busting scene. with it. Yeah, that's the just part of the job. The ball busting is part of the job, and it helps you learn. I mean, that's that's how you keep that in your – that's what I happened to me, man. My uh, my driver at the time, he was – oh, what's a fucking all he did was bust your balls on everything, man. Like you, you <laughs> fucking talk wrong, and he's like – Busting all day long, but it, it taught me so much. It kept them the lessons in my brain. Like it's it's the fucking fire service is paramilitary, man. It's just like it. That's how they do it in the military. It's how it happens here in the fire service. It's awesome. And so then, you don't and, regret going to the fire service. You think no, it's a pretty good fit. That's for you. That's the reason it drew me in, man. Is because I, I went when I got out of the military. I probably had four different jobs, like. Uh, I was a welder's helper, and then I was welding, and then I went and sprayed bugs, and like I exciting, yeah, exciting, right? I couldn't find a fucking job that was like the military. I, I the longest job I had before, uh, after I got out of the military and before the fire service was machining, and I was there probably six months, six seven months, and then I went straight into the military and or straight into the fire service uh, in 2013. Been here ever since, man. I love it. It's the uh, greatest job in the world. Uh, noble. Uh, you get to help people, man. It's more It's more than a paycheck. Like, working somewhere else, to me, it seems like, cool, yeah, I'm going to make some money, but I don't get any satisfaction out of what I'm doing. All I'm doing is making more money for a company or filling somebody else's pockets. But with this, this is self-gratification man like i'm helping somebody on their worst day you know you know all the stuff you get into the fire service where everybody knows it's it's not for the paycheck no you don't get into this shit for the paycheck you've got to have some sort of hero complex or fucking something like you got to be crazy too like <laughs> a little bit because yeah. there is that element of danger and uncertainty. you gotta love that shit though like yeah i love that yeah. i love going into a fucking structure fire and getting ready just to kick something's ass you know it's always a good day when you show up at the firehouse oh yeah you That's... don't know what to expect you go to another job you know you work for your boss oh, the harder you work the, the richer thing, they get and for us the harder we work usually the better the outcome is and the harder we train yeah. usually the better the outcome is and yeah you make a very real difference in somebody's life our community is, has what like 18,000 people, I think, is what it says on the yeah, side. Yeah, we're, we're 18,000 to 20,000. I mean, we're an old field town. We're in the panhandle of Texas. Um, uh, we serve 18 to, I mean, even to 16 sometimes. It depends. Uh, it depends on our how the oil field's doing, really. Uh, we're, we're trying to get better. We're trying to get away from ha- just being an oil field town, you know. Yeah, this town used so, to be 30,000 people back in the 70s and 80s, I think. When oil was booming, man. Yeah. We're trying to get away from that, trying to bring in more factories, trying to bring in different type of uh, stores. I mean, We got anything. a new Hobby Lobby. Wow. It opens like, on my birthday. <laughs> the city went crazy for that, I'm telling you. They're still going crazy oh, for yeah. that Hobby Lobby. Oh, yeah. It's it's my wife especially. She's. I mean, these are big times in our little that. town. Oh yeah, you get a, you get a hobby lobby. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like we said, we're uh, we're a fire department of about twenty eight personnel, including administration. That's two stations. 
Um, we'd like to say we have a, I mean, we, we do, we got a badass ladder truck, but we'd like to say we're jack of all trades, man. Cause you kind of have to be at, with at, at bigger departments, at bigger departments, you got a ladder company. I mean, you got truckies, you got rescue guys, you've got freaking everything, man, that falls in between there. And we're minimum staffing. We got six guys for the whole city. So them six guys better know everything. You better know rescue. You better know truck company stuff. You better know your engine tactics. I mean, you've got to know everything. And it's kind of cool, man. Like I've been I've been on a fire where I started out instant command, transfer command, went inside for search and rescue. Performed a primary search, grabbed the nozzle, put the fucking fire out. Come come back out. Uh, they wanted the roof cut. I laddered the roof, cut the roof for vertical vent. Yeah. Uh, I mean, shit, you do everything uh, when you show up on scene. And I couldn't imagine going, and I'm nothing against bigger departments or anything. I mean, you guys know your shit. But the, I would be willing to bet that oh, no. per firefighter, here we go, per fire, that we run more fires. See, and that's what kept me staying here. Our department suffers a lot of, uh, we're like a stepping stone to the bigger departments and a lot of smaller departments and out there. For, and it's for the they, pay. They, I mean, yeah, they feel we that. We can't compete with the, one of the bigger departments that's around us. Uh, and uh, But this town has had, what, 30,000 people at one point and we're down to 18,000 people. That's a lot of vacant structures. That's oh, a lot wow. of, uh, I mean, there's... There's entire city blocks in this town that don't have anything standing on it because the whole thing caught fire. And it's kind of like, you ever watch that documentary about Detroit? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. A lot of urban decay. When I moved to this town, I saw that and I was like, okay, maybe I won't go to a bigger department someday. Because shortly after, as soon as I went online, got my first fire and got quite a few fires and got... You know, quite a few good ones. Now, my rookie, Derek, he's he's been here probably – he hadn't even made six months yet. Not even six months. He still had not take a six-month test. Yeah. So within the six months, he's already made entry on eight structure fires. Yep. And I was there for three of them, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a restaurant, a church, a uh, residential structure. Yeah. Those are the three we that had, I went we on. one yesterday. With I mean, B-Shift. And you had one yesterday. So, I mean, you get a lot of experience here. Uh, it's like I had a friend tell me he works in uh, a, another oil field town, but a pretty big one, and he hates it whenever he hears a structure fire alarm go off and their engine isn't called. And I'm like, that never happens here. No, there's no, a structure you're, fire, you're going, and you're on duty, council, you're going. Like, if you're at home, there's a good chance oh, you may be yeah. going. Oh, yeah. If so, any, at the least, you're going to the station to cover calls, but I mean. We we run everything here. We've got grass fires, uh, big fires. ass grass fires. Oh uh, yeah, Panhandle of Texas, man. Seventy mile an hour winds, freaking. <laughs> they take off. I mean, you're running, you're running into other states. Yeah, you can't catch them. Yeah, you're, I don't know. Somebody, why, why don't you hop in the front? You you hop in the front of uh, head, the head of the fire going seventy mile an hour, it creating its own atmosphere and creating its own speed. Yeah, that thing is running. There ain't nothing you can do to and, stop it. And it's rough country. It's not like these flat roads. Oh, yeah. yeah like it's you not, can just like haul a, ass. Like a street where you can just go. No, you're freaking going through canyons. and There's a good chance you'll be high-centered or nose into a ditch. But, you know, that's the cost of doing business. But 
yeah. Anyway, back to back to me joining the fire service, man. I uh, September 11th was pretty big for me. Like I mean, I was a young kid. I really didn't know what was going on, uh, but I did know that a lot of people lost their lives, and it was because of somebody across the pond decided to come over and attack us. Yeah. All I knew was that uh, something blew up the building. That's all I can remember. I mean, my furthest memory for it. And uh, at that time, man, I was I was just a little kid, but I wanted blood, man. Like, I was like, <laughs> kill him. How old were you? Man, how old are you in the third grade? Probably... Like uh, eight or nine, maybe. Uh, my daughter, seven. My daughter's. Nine. I don't know. I don't have kids, so I don't know this. My, yeah, my daughter's nine, so I was I was probably nine. nine yeah, nine or ten. Mm-hmm. And uh, dude, it was is it crazy? No, she's in the fourth grade. My bad. I was probably eight, eight or nine. But I remember, I remember like I'm in the, I'm in a little town too. I, I I'm not even. I was in a town of like. A thousand people max, mm-hmm. maybe maybe less, maybe five, and we had this like little, a single room oh, schoolhouse. Yeah, we had this little <laughs> tiny school, and it was it was the last year the school was open. Uh huh. And I was I was the last class in the school, and there was six of us, six total kids in the third grade, and we had like one. It was pretty cool. It was it was a little tiny thing, but uh, they like took us to the library like we were bunkering down like. Like at any moment, like the Russians were going to be falling from the sky or something, you know, no one knew what was going on. It was so hectic. And as more news come out and the the coverage just kept coming in and uh, the more we found out, I mean, we got let let go of school to go home and uh, it was, it was crazy. And then as I've grown up and, you know, every, every year remembering 9-11, I know that whenever I was in high school, I was like, you know, I mean, the war on terror is still going on and I was... I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to I join the military. And, uh, before I joined the military, though, funny story. Uh, I was 17 years old at a, at a small high school just 15 miles from where uh, we are now. And I decided I was going to do a career day. Well, what, do I, what do I want to do, man? Like It's my senior year. I don't really know what I want to do. I was like, I don't know. I want to be a fireman, man. That'd be cool. Let's so go. you were already thinking about that uh, already. Yeah. I mean, so I decided to uh, call our fire department and ask him, you know, do a career shadow day or whatever. Well, my my captain right now, he was currently in the training office, and I show up and I'm this little curly headed kid, and I was like, I want to be a fireman. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he. He was, he'd show me around the fire department. I got to hang out with the guys for the day and, and, you know, do what all you do on a career shadow day. And anyway, his, I think it's pretty cool. Like right now, like that, that little 17 year old kid, mm-hmm. like my captain, he was the training officer that did that day, you know? Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Now he's your captain. Yeah. But yeah. before, before I decided I had to go do the military and then come out and didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. And that's how I got in the, the fire service, man. I, and I love it. It's it's the greatest job in the world. There ain't nothing like it. No, there I really mean, I, isn't. I went from a, a job where you did the same thing every day. Every single day, it was the same thing over and over all day long. Mm-hmm. Now coming into the fire service, you don't know what can happen. You could run 21 calls or you could run nothing. Like, mm-hmm. there's no telling what's going to happen day to day. 
I mean, I love it. Now, tell us how Stephen got in the fire service. Oh, man. Well. Hey, listen to me ramble on for 30 damn minutes, so. I didn't even know what the fire service was. Yeah? Yeah. I came from a real small town uh, down in West Texas. We had a volunteer fire service, but I never saw them. I lived out in the country. I think the one time I saw the fire trucks, we had a wreck right in front of our house, and the car burnt down, and they showed up. But I thought... They all, they're all doing it for free. I had no idea you could make money doing this job. Yeah. So it was never even like something I considered. Uh, went to college. My parents wanted me to get a four-year degree, so I did. Um, it was in legal studies, and I was thinking I was going to go to law school after that. And we got lawyer Stephen, by the way. So No, I've, I've yeah. done forgot everything about that. <laughs> I done did forgot it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would have been a terrible lawyer. <laughs> like, I'd have been in a strip mall somewhere, maybe with like a that, Corvette. Yeah, yeah, peddling the cards out. Yeah. Being like... I'd have been fucking peddling divorces. <laughs> Can you imagine how miserable I'd be? Oh, yeah. And I'm already balding, so just picture that in your head. Oh, yeah. In a seersucker suit, there's me. There you go. No hair on top of my head. Pulling in, I don't know, maybe six figures. You think? I don't know, maybe. And you have, I don't you know have how rich they are. Cheesy ass commercials. Oh yeah, with like a really cool name, like the Cock Punch. Yeah, slow blowing, blowing. <laughs> That'd be great. Divorce attorney. I did not want to do that. I did. I, I knew that I wasn't going to get into Harvard or any of these really prestigious schools, and I wouldn't end up at some law firm making a shit ton of money. So. I joined the Peace Corps and left the country for three years. The Peace Corps, man. Like, yeah. How do you even get into the Peace Corps? You just apply online. And they're like, yep, you're in. Yeah. Well, it takes like a year and a half. So there's a little more, you know, in the process, you got to do a bunch of medical stuff, get checked out, fill out a whole bunch of paperwork, do phone interviews and Skype interviews. And then I had to drive to Houston to go talk to a recruiter. And she interviewed me in person, promised me the beaches of Fiji. And I got sent to a little country in sub-Saharan Africa that I'd never heard about. And what's the country's name? Zambia, which is an amazing place. If anybody ever feels like they need to go check out what Africa is all about, Zambia is the perfect place. They got all the animals you want to check out that you see in the storybooks. They got them there. Hell, you could get charged by a bull elephant and have like 15 others following right behind you. And you're just hauling ass in reverse trying to get out of their way. Abort. Abort. That's happened. Yeah. Yeah. No, that doesn't I've sound swam in a river with crocodiles. Yeah, that's, that's another thing. That's not fun at all. Yeah. Uh, I saw a security guard kill a cobra that like reared up and was like looking at us while we were grilling and that barbecuing. He killed it with a brick just like, and all of us were freaking out. And he was just like cool as could be that's like, awesome yeah yeah it's pretty awesome ate a lot of bugs did a lot of cool shit met a lot of cool people tried to figure out what my life was going to be after that and um so if you possibly want to die by cobra elephant <laughs> bugs just go ahead and go over there it's a great time we Let's had this one volunteer she was a middle-aged lady like been through the 60s and 70s like hippy dippy we called her space cadet I mean, she could have been my mom. Yeah. She was hilarious. And uh, one day she was at her hut, and they had just cut all the grass. Well, they don't pick up the grass because there's nothing to, like, pick up the grass with. So it's just there on the ground. And she was walking from her hut to, I think, her toilet, which two separate buildings. Yeah, that's fun. And the toilet's just a hole in the ground. Oh, yeah. Well, she felt something hit her ankle, and she thought she stepped, like, on a rake or a hoe or something like that. She doesn't think anything of it. She goes back, and then her like family in the village saw her ankle and saw two little 
holes in her ankle. And they're like, what the hell just happened? She's like, oh, nothing. I stepped on a rake. And they're like, no, that was a snake. And so they searched the entire lawn and there was a cobra and they killed the cobra. Turns out it was a dry bite. She was fine. She lived. But if it hadn't been a dry bite, she'd have died. And that's something they don't tell you in the Peace Corps until you get to the Peace Corps is that if you get bit by a snake, you're 12 hours away from civilization. We're not going to send a helicopter to come get your ass. Like you're going to be dead by then. So that was always in the back of my head. Anytime I was going around in the village wearing flip-flops, I had a baby uh, mamba land on my foot once when I was wearing flip-flops walking, and then it shot off. Those snakes are incredibly well, I, fast. I saw a picture of you, I, I believe, either before you went to the PS Corps or while you were in it. You're, you're pretty hippy-dippy yourself there. Yeah, I uh, I embraced the culture. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He had his little booty shorts on and his flip-flops. And yeah. It's a great way to make a difference and, like, try and go and help people out, like, better their incomes. And you think when you go in that you're going to save the world. And then you get there and you're in the village and you're like, how do I save this village? And then you find out that really they're teaching you more about life than you could ever teach them. So that was pretty humbling. Which that's if, pretty cool. I mean, if anybody wants to do it, it's great. And if, and if, and if trying to make the world a better place isn't a big enough incentive, they tell you that 90% of Peace Corps volunteers will be sexually active within the first year of being there. Oh. And that's fucking true, man. We all miss America <laughs> and we just like meet up and hang out and like we go through the same bullshit of like no electricity and no running water. So and, what you're saying is you you only joined the fuck. Well no, I didn't know that till I got there. <laughs> I thought I was gonna find like my life partner, somebody, you know, but that didn't yeah. happen either. And that was and then everybody was like, Are you gonna get married over there? I was like, hell no. I'm a Mennonite, so they think I should get married as soon as, you know, I'm old yeah. enough to leave the house. Um, but yeah, it's a great time. We had lots of parties where we uh, talked about America and shit. And like I drank fireball whiskey the first time ever in my life over in over in Zambia. Somebody nice. shipped it over. So So in this podcast, you got a guy who served in the military, was an infantryman, did grunt shit. Did grunt fucking work. Fought terrorists and, and shit. And then you got a guy who's in the Peace Corps who is, I mean, he... We he, like planted trees and shit. Yeah, he, he did He did all that shit, like save the forest and yeah. the planet and fuck plastic and all yeah. that kind of shit. So you got, yeah. you got a liberal on one side of the table, and I see myself as a conservative. I used to see myself as a conservative. Man, I got a lot of flack for being from Texas in the Peace Corps. Oh, there's, my God. There's very few Texans in the Peace Corps. Yeah. I was never told about the Peace Corps in any of my schools. Oh, I. But apparently, it's a big thing in those liberal states. But uh, I just found out the other day that I'm I'm a liberal. I came out to. It came out of the liberal closet. Yeah, I did. Um, told all my guys at the firehouse. Oh yeah, we we just you know how that went. We went to this event where Cody was honored as the firefighter of the year, and our chief gets up and introduces oh, the rest yeah. of his men. Uh, yeah, he did. When he gets to me, what did he say? He said. Here's our in-house liberal, Stephen. Yeah. That's fucking great. Yeah. Everybody in that room is a conservative, by the oh, way. Yeah. Every single one. The look Stephen was getting. Oh, uh, I did a little bow. So. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So we got uh, opposing views on things. Um, I'm sure. You stick around long enough, you'll, you'll hear some of those. Yeah, we'll get into politics and shit at some point. Whatever comes across our uh, desk, we'll probably talk about if we think oh, it's, yeah. if it's worth it. Yeah. But uh, anyways, I was in the Peace Corps. Um, I remembered uh, back in my college days playing rugby about this firefighter who uh, was a Marine. He, uh, after he got out of the Marines, he went and did contract firefighting in Afghanistan. 
uh, Iraq, Antarctica. Um, and he had really cool stories, and he's a firefighter down on the Gulf Coast now. And I remembered him, and I thought, hey, what's this all about? So I call a department or email them and say, hey, I'm coming back to the States for a month. Can I, would it be all right if I visit your firehouse? And they were like, yeah, of course. And he was the instructor, the lieutenant there was the lead instructor for the academy, and I was going to figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, the day I flew into Dallas airport, the day after that, you had, uh, who was that guy, the Ebola victim who showed up in Dallas? You remember that? He oh, got a yeah, nurse sick. Yeah. He showed up like a day after I did. And I was, I had malaria, I found out, on the flight back. See, this fucking heathen going over to these countries and yeah. bringing diseases. Back. Yeah, See? yeah. I went from, I think I got really sick in Amsterdam, like just about died on the plane ride back to Dallas. Got to Dallas. Fucking security guards want to take my knife away and everything else. I'm like, I've been through security four times already in Europe and Africa. Now you're taking my knife away? Yeah. But I was so sick, I didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. And they're like, here's an envelope. You can just mail it to yourself. And I'm like, I'm too fucking sick. And I threw the knife in the trash and took off. Got home. My parents picked me up. They uh, saw I was how sick I was. Went to the doctor the next, I think it was three days later when I wasn't getting better. And like, yeah, you got malaria. Yay! Yay! I went to the firehouse. You didn't and take the little pills they made you take? Not till after the doctor said I had malaria. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. See, you, they gave us those fucking pills. Well, yeah, because you can die on the flight back. Yeah. You like, got to take them. They, we had a volunteer die going back to America. They'd give you the weirdest fucking dreams and shit, too, man. It's oh, the prophylaxis every day. I didn't yeah. take those. Yeah. That's probably why I got malaria. Probably. Yeah. I can't even remember what they were called. The little, little white tabs we had to take. Uh, military got malarone. Yeah, yeah. Because, mal- well, before, when you were in the military, they probably gave you mefloquine, which mefloquine gives you hallucinations. Oh, it was fucking crazy. And, like, that's you probably see- something you shouldn't have in, in no. the fucking combat zone is hallucinations when no. you got automatic weapons. And- yeah. Frags and I'm so the military got rid of mefloquine after all these soldiers were like seeing shit and going crazy and like suicidal thoughts, all sorts like things you yeah, don't want your soldiers the good to shit, think. The good shit to have when you're in a fucking combat zone. The Peace know? Corps was like mefloquine's perfect for us. Yeah, we're just gonna keep we're giving like it to LSD. The vol- yeah. <laughs> Eventually, a big group of uh, volunteers internationally were just like, "Fuck this, we don't want mefloquine. Give us what the military has. We don't give a shit that it's eight bucks a pill. Yeah. You got to give it to us." And so they did this big campaign, went to D.C., and eventually it changed over to Malarone. But that was after, right at the end of my service, um, that they did that. Uh, so, anyways, I went to the firehouse. Back, okay, so. At that time, Ebola was huge. Departments everywhere oh, yeah. were like figuring out even, how to respond here, to it. Even here in our fucking little town, we got a Ebola kit. Our past administration was just fucking. <laughs> they were they were probably the greatest things since sliced bread. Yeah, fucking not. Our Ebola kit consisted of a pair of fucking glasses. <laughs> like, here, wear these. You'll be fine. Good luck. <laughs> we were like... And you got them from, like, eBay, probably, Oh, right? dude. They were like... All they were was glorified giant safety glasses. Like, oh. congratulations. You're Ebola-free. Yep. You are bulletproof. Oh, yeah. Ebola-proof. We, we, fucking, <laughs> we fucking took that and ran with it. That was crazy shit. But now our administration's awesome. Like, we got yep. a chief who actually has been a fucking chief before and knows what he's doing. Yeah, know? he's got a shit ton of it's experience. A, so we're, pretty we're, we're headed in the right direction. But uh, yeah. and that's for another show, how the crazy shit that our department's been through. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll talk about that in another episode. Oh, yeah. You know those guys at the fire station? Some of them didn't even want to shake my hand whenever I showed up. Oh, yeah? They were like, you fucking filthy heathen. They thought I had Ebola. Yeah. I was like, don't worry, guys. I already licked all your doorknobs for you, so (laughs) have fun with that. I'm a liberal, so I suck doorknobs. (laughs) Like, that's what I do. Yeah. Anyways, talked to the dude, found out that's what I wanted to do, went back to Africa, spent the rest of my time. Uh, I got uh, the position of volunteer leader shortly after I went back, and so I uh, had a lot of time with the internet and researched the fire service, and uh, when I got back, I went straight into the academy. And then while I was in the academy, I got hired by the department I'm with now, been with them for a little over two years. Oh, yeah known Cody this whole time. He's uh, he's one of those guys that loves the job, and uh, that's what you want. You want those guys that uh, that really give a shit. You know, yeah. they want to learn every day. They want to train. They want to get their hands dirty. Well, I just, I just, like you said, man, I love the job, and, and you got to have guys that love the job. I mean, like yourself, uh, you we all have guys in our department. Everybody, every department's got them. You got the guys that are fucking short timing, like they're, drawing a paycheck. They're a year, two years away from retirement. It's no fucking excuse. Like you, like I, I see myself. I I don't want to be that guy. Like no. I might be six months from retirement, but I still want to be drilling. I still want to be fucking. As long as I'm physically able, I want to be in that position. Yeah, my or, last shift, I want to still be a good hand. Yeah. The very last shift, I want to work my ass off. Yeah, that's the I plan. Mean, that's I can't see it any other way, though. I can't either. Like, I want to go out. Like, if I have a structure fire in my last shift, I'll be so fucking happy. Like, that'll be awesome. And there's and you just got guys that they just give up. I mean, they're just done. But I well, say that I don't have thirty years in yet. So I mean, I got five years yeah, in. I'm we still, don't know. We're still, still got young. Hard on and, uh, so I just want that to stay in. But I mean, you read, you read in the magazines and anything fires culture. I mean, the fire service culture. You watch the YouTube videos. You do everything you can to better yourself, and you see guys that's got thirty years on the job that are some fucking bad motherfuckers. They're man. kicking they're, ass out there, taking yeah, names. They're still out there doing the fucking job. Do work, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Fucking kicking ass and. I, I want to be one of them guys, man. I do. And and you've got guys that they just give up. I, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be – and it's not like anything like leaving your legacy or anything like that. I mean, if I can if I can train some guys up to better our apartment, I'm happy. It's about the people you serve. Oh, yeah. The, and That's like a constant right there. Yeah. So do even on the right bullshit calls. For your department, do what's right for your citizens. And everything else falls into place, man. Yeah, yeah. So you're 45 minutes into this podcast. Uh, let us know how you how we're doing. Uh, do work podcast. We'll uh, provide links at the end of the show. Um, but yeah, go out there if you like what you hear. Write us a review. Give us thumbs up. Yeah. Tell your friends. Tell us what you don't like. Uh, you can do that too. You can email us and say and, and and don't send me something that says, "Hey, you need to just watch your mouth." Well, well then you turn the fucking podcast off because, like, uh, it's this is real talk. Like, we're we're gonna talk like firemen talk. Sorry. Maybe one day we'll try to do a completely censored just to see if we can. I don't think can. it's possible. I really don't. What happened yesterday is my wife. She was like, "Hey." Uh, I don't know what we're the fuck we're talking about. Anyway, I was telling her that every day I go into the fire station, 
the guys that are on duty that I'm replacing, there's always something nasty that comes out. I mean, like, hey, you, what's up, you fucking homos? Or like, yeah, uh, you fucking queers? Or, I mean, yeah. You yeah. just immediately start with the ball bust. Oh, automatically. You just have to. It's just what I do. And she told me, why don't you just go in and be nice? Like, just go in and be like, hey, guys, what's going on? I couldn't do it. Like it might kill you. The 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 moral fibers that pull at me, like at my soul, it, it, I couldn't do it. I couldn't force myself to not bust balls first thing in the morning. I had to do it. Yeah, it's uh, it's just how it goes in That's fire funny. service. You know, and this week we've been watching a lot of documentaries and shit, especially about FDNY. Oh and, yeah, you know it being the week of nine eleven. I mean, the, the, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, get on YouTube. It's on there. Uh, Still Riding. It's one of my favorite documentaries about uh, FDNY and uh, Rescue Companies 1 and 2. Uh, man, that's that's an awesome documentary. Uh, it, the, the documentary was actually just following FDNY in 2001. I mean, from January all the way up to September, they were just filming a documentary about FDNY and then 9-11 happens. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're watching guys talk who died that day. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, man. It's, and that, and that shows you our, our line of work. I mean, one day you can be sitting here bullshitting on a podcast and the next day. Mm-hmm. You don't know crazy if you're, shit happens. you might not come home. You can do everything right and still not make it home. And 9-11 is a perfect example of that. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, God be with the families and all that affected. I mean, I just, I can't imagine. 343 guys, man. Yeah. So we try to, you know, every day we show up to work, we try to make uh, those who came before us proud, you know. Yeah. uh, Big thing in this job is integrity. What do you do when nobody's looking? Well, whenever I feel fucking lazy as fuck and I see a piece of trash on the ground and I don't want to pick it up, you got to think about it. Oh, you yeah. know, everybody who came out there before you, how much ball busting would you get if they were watching you? Yeah. You know, being a lazy fuck. And it happens. Like, you, no, there's not a fireman out there that doesn't tell me they, get, they don't get complacent in the job. Yeah. Like, there's not a fucking fireman out there that, said, that can say they haven't fucking pencil whipped something or, yeah. you know, just had a fucking lazy day and they're just like, nah, fuck it. But hey, you know? it's the brotherhood, and that's it why is. you got guys who pull you out of that. Like, you hey. got to have, and that's what I tell, like, you can be a fucking captain all the way down to the rookie rookie. I mean, like, you can be a fucking pro or the captain, and at some point in the day, someone's going to bust your balls. Like, you're going to get, you're going to get brought back into, you're going to get humbled, as, yeah. I mean, the best way to say and it. And we do it because we love you. Yeah. I mean, you... If I if I step up to captain, which I do, I mean all the time, I step up to captain. I, I if I start being like a, a dickhead and I'm like fucking being worthless and lazy, like oh fuck that, I'm the captain today. I ain't gonna do that shit. Mm-hmm. My guys bust my balls. They're like oh, fuck, like fuck. I could I could be the captain. I mean I do it. We do it to our captain. We're like oh yeah, fuck. Imagine that. Like mm-hmm. the captain's just gonna fucking sit there and watch us do this. That's cool. Yeah. And, and he's and he's like fuck, and then gets brought back. Brought. Gets humbled and it comes back to his roots, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't recommend a rookie doing that. Like you, you're on the payroll, but you ain't a part of the brotherhood. <laughs> like once you get part of the brotherhood, that's when you bust balls. I mean, you can. When your captain tells you to do something, you do it. Yeah. And I mean, I I still do that. I mean, I'm not going to argue with my captain or anything, but you, you bust the captain's balls when you get a chance. You have to. 
Yeah. It brings them back down to where they need to be. Well, and a rookie can always try, too. Just kind of, like, test the waters, and if he gets shut down oh, immediately, yeah. then he knows yeah. he's still got yeah, to. Go, go ahead and try, if you would. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's still got a couple months of yeah. keeping his mouth shut before. Yeah, when you get told to do something, rookie, just go ahead and just tell somebody to fuck off. and Just, just, just let, let us know how that goes. Like, I want to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Tell us your experience. So, to all the rookies out there listening, next time, yeah, just tell yeah. them to fuck off. Yeah. Let us know how it went. I mean, what's the worst they can do? They can't kill you. Yeah. So I don't think they can fire you. It, it'll, it'll be fun. <laughs> it'll be fun for somebody. Yeah. Might not be fun for you. Yeah. So, I don't know. Cody, is there anything else we should talk about? Uh, it's... First episode, man. Uh, yeah, there's going to be some growing pains. We're going to try and figure out uh, how exactly we're going to be doing all these episodes. What you know, we want your feedback and input too. What do you want us to talk about? Yeah. What? Have you enjoyed the podcast? Let us know. I mean, should we like inhale a bunch of helium because you don't like the way our voices sound? <laughs> yeah, like, share, do whatever you got to do. I don't know <laughs> computer shit. That's one thing that that Steve is really good at that I'm not. I don't know this shit, so I'm going with what Steven does. Yeah. But uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna be teaching him how to do all this, so he can do it by himself yeah, one day. Fucking learning He's, me up, right? Yeah, I'm gonna bring him up in the ways of technology. Um, yeah, can you believe there's still people out there in the world right now that think 9/11 is a conspiracy? Have you ever met anybody? I, who- you know, the military is a crazy group of guys, okay. right? Yeah, this is people. I was in New York. Of all fucking places. Like, you take a guy from Texas, the fucking Panhandle of Texas, you send him to New York for a complete culture fuck, and there's people up in New York. Like, it's an eight-hour drive from fucking northern New York to the, down to the city, and it's just eight hours, and people are still fucking conspiracy theorists. Like, it yep. didn't happen. Like, yeah. There's an inside job, like all that kind of shit. Get the fuck out of here with that. Really? Yeah. Come yeah. on. So don't get caught in those loops. Don't get caught in the conspiracy loops. And I mean, if you do, let me hear about it. Yeah. Pro- prove me wrong. Like, yeah. <laughs> prove me wrong. <laughs> Send us an email. Uh, we have an email account, uh, dowerkpodcast at gmail.com. That's dowerkpodcast at gmail.com. D-U-E. Oh, uh, yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. We yeah. did a little play on words with the name of the podcast. Yeah, like fucking first do. Yep. Do work. Yeah, because that's what, that's what we're all about. We want firefighters to go out there, have passion for the job, yep. do the work that's uh, expected of them, and then even a little bit more. Because um, that's what the community expects out of you. Yep. Yeah. So, anywho, uh, thanks for listening. This, I guess, concludes the first podcast. It's the first episode. I hope you boys... Girls like it, so give us a comment, give us a share, just do whatever you do on the computer. Yeah, we'll see you. Thanks. This has been episode one of the Do Work podcast with Stephen Cody. Thanks for listening. Know your trade, do your job, do work.